This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. If you're looking for teen parenting advice, you wouldn't expect that turning straight to your own phone was the answer. But that could change thanks to a new World First University of Auckland parenting programme delivered entirely via SMS text message. My Teen for Parents of Children Aged 10 to 15 is a pilot at this stage, but test participants reported feeling more competent as parents, less stressed and having better communication with their adolescent at the end of the pilot. Joanna Chu, a research fellow from the University of Auckland, is with us to explain how the pilot work and its potential applications. She's also happy to take any questions about parenting young teens, as her area of interest is improving adolescent well-being. Joanna, welcome to Nine to Noon. Thank you. Hi, Catherine. I'd like to learn more, actually, because you could come at this from a tech lens or you could come at it from uh, a child development and uh, parenting lens. Could you explain a little bit more about what your specialty is at the university? Sure. So my area of interest is around adolescent well-being, particularly around supporting families and parents and caregivers on how we can sort of improve uh, adolescent outcome. Um, And I guess, um, you know, taking a little bit of background around why I'm sort of interested in this is also because um, if you look around uh, the sort of services that are available at the moment for parents, there's a lot more services for parents of young children, but not so much for parents of adolescent. And so, but we also know that from a lot of research, parenting is still a really, play a really important role in the lives of adolescent. Particularly, we know from adolescent who report better parent-adolescent relationship, um, uh, more parental warmth, more parental involvement, tend to report better outcomes as well. So for example, better, better well-being. And so we know that parents are still really important in the lives of adolescent. So... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, carry on. Yeah, so I guess, and again, as I was saying, there's a lot less services available to support parents. And from some of our earlier work talking with parents of teenagers, and we're talking about just general parents who are faced with sort of everyday parenting issues, they do want the support. So they're saying that, you know, um, we, we're facing a little bit of conflict, which is completely normal around this adolescent development, because we know that adolescent is a wonderful stage, but it's also one that presents sort of unique challenges for parents of adolescent because they're trying to renegotiate that parent-adolescent relationship where they're trying to be more autonomous, they're trying to gain more independent, and that can often cause a bit of conflict around the family and household. We also know that they're more vulnerable to risk-taking behaviours, and particularly peers become a bit more important for the teenagers. And even though we have a lot of contra- or a lot of popular myth that parents are no longer important, but they're indeed actually even more important for that stage of adolescent. So if I look at your background, you're coming from um, postgrad qualifications in psychology, I think, and you work uh, within the National Institute for Health Innovation at the School yep. of Population. So yep. it's an overlay of uh, psychology and adolescent development. Adolescent oh, yes. mental health, I think, is an interest as well. Yep. And that also comes into the innovation field, which I guess is why we're talking <laughs> about how we deliver supports to yeah. parents. So you saw a need, you saw a gap for parenting at this age. Yep. How did you design the pilot? Well, 
again, I think if we just look around this sort of support available for parents, we see that, you know, often for parents of adolescent, it's often services that are already for parents that are experiencing crisis or families that are experiencing crisis. So we want to take a step back and look at, you know, what can we do to prevent parents or families reaching that crisis point? And so it's really about prevention. And what we wanted to really trial out was whether a brief program can um, have that sort of preventative effect, whether it was helpful for parents. Um, and so we also understand that parents are very time pressured and, you know, getting parents to attend a parenting program is probably quite difficult. <laughs> and as a parent myself, I know how, you know, we, we're very, you know, busy and often to commit or attend a parenting program, a face-to-face program is not possible. And so what we wanted to try out was, again, using completely through text messaging to see whether it was effective or helpful for parents. And so we wanted to see, um, particularly with parenting messages around adolescent development, on tips for parents increasing that sort of positive parent-adolescent communication, as well as some self-care tips for parents. Often we forget how important it is to take care of ourselves as a parent. And also some tips around, you know, where to seek support if you do need extra support. And so we sort of trialled that by, um, we sort of recruited about over 200 parents. We randomly put them in either the group as to one's a group that received the intervention and a group that had to wait three months. And so after receiving the program for one month, which was a daily text messages for one month, we asked the parent uh, a set of questionnaires, you know, about how they felt and everything. And then again, we asked them that the same at three months. And what we actually found was that parents who received the program reported um, less parenting stress, so they found parenting to be less stressful. They improved their parenting confidence, so they were feeling more confident around their own parenting. They also reported improvement in parent-adolescent communication and also being able to actually know where to seek help. And this was all sort of maintained at both one month and three months after the program. Did you use a random group or did you target a group? We did use a random group. So the recruitment was sort of open to anyone that fit the criteria of being a parent of an adolescent uh, 10 to 15. Oh, so they're self-selected, right? Yes, okay. they're self-selected. Okay. Yeah. Which might be a little bit of bias if someone was already yes. <laughs> interested in looking. Yeah. What, how, how did you determine, so that the text came daily, was it one text a day, several yep. texts a day? One text a day. Same time each day? Uh, the parent had the option to choose the same time each day, but the parent had the option to choose which day, I um, mean, which time of the day they would like to receive the program at the beginning. And how content rich was the text? Was because I'm I, straight away I'm thinking of like the daily affirmations, you know, that can pop mm. up sometimes. Was it that simple, or was it more elaborate? What was the um, uh, nature of the content that was sent. Sure. So it was, we were limited to only 160 characters, which you can imagine is quite concise and quite short. And I guess the idea was really to give that sort of positive reinforcement and that positive reminder and just a bit of brief but informative information about adolescent development and again self-care and, and so forth. Do you have some of the messages in front of you? Could you give us some examples? Sure. So, for example, one of them was about, you know, um, chores. Chores is probably not your teen's favourite topic, so choose something that interests them and talk about it with them. You know, that that would be one sort of text message. Another one would be, you know, about self-care, where, you know, you're not expected to do everything alone. Go and seek support if you do need to. And then we also have text messages that provide links to website for further information and also um, uh, to resources such as um, helplines. 
I'm curious as to what time of day was the most popular <laughs> to receive the text. We it, it was quite a mixed sort of um, uh, mixture. We did have sort of a morning, afternoon, and also late afternoon. That's interesting. It is indeed. But we did also have parents coming back and saying those that chose the morning text were like, oh, actually, it might have been better if I chose the afternoon Late where it was sort of after school. Yeah. Sort of that's <laughs> that little bit of reminder then. So they were they were practical things. I'd love you to keep going with some of the more um, how you might handle a situation. Like it's really interesting that one. If you want to talk to your teen, don't bring up the housework. Like you might have to talk to them about housework. But if this is a means of starting a communication, find something yeah, else to talk about. Find something about. that's that they're so interested. So what were some of the other typical areas that people struggle with where a reminder helps? Like just keep, sure. just keep calm, count to ten. That kind of practical stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That that definitely was something about you know breathe, take a deep breath, and do some breathing exercise. You know, was part of sort of self care as well. In terms of actually you know looking at adolescent development, I think you know screen for example um, is one of the sort of concerns for a lot of parents these days and so we have text messages around you know um, put away your screen um, not to have screens in your bedtime particularly in your bedroom and put them away before bedtime. Now is this for the kids or to the parents? For the parents I mean you for, see, the teen, for the teenagers. For the teens. <laughs> you see, straight away you, you said it earlier that, that we're so busy these days that many mm. people wouldn't have time to attend a parenting program mm-hmm. but there's another thing that's infiltrating parenting yeah most people would admit to is that you're not at the kids football game watching the football you've got your phone out haven't you you know and there's an irony that Mm. when devices are often intruding on some of the simple interactions Mm -hmm. or the simple messaging that yes I'm listening to you that we turn to them again to help. Can you comment? Yes. So definitely. I think, you know, technology is definitely here to stay. Um, And I think it's really trying to achieve that digital what we sort of call digital balance. We want to make good use of technology. For example, you know, with this program, we were able to reach parents that may not, you know, would have a thought about attending a parenting program. So it's good in terms of, you know, the population reach and the sort of impact. But we also need to consider the negative effects, as you were saying, you know, sometimes about that, you know, people call secondhand smoke effect, but we can, you know, even talk about secondhand screen effect, where it's going to just because you're using the phone, it actually impacts the way how your parent and you're our not listened. present. Yeah, you're not, you're not present. But that yeah. could even be one of the messages. Read this message yeah. and then put down your phone for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you. Definitely. So, yeah. so we do have a message about role modelling as well. So it's really mm. important that parents do role model that behaviour. You can't set up a sort of a family rule where you know no phones at the family meal time if you are the one that is constantly on the phone. So it's definitely something as a family that you need to all agree on and all stick to. And how many, being mm-hmm. how many different messages were there? Joanna? There were about, because it was um, one daily text for oh, a whole month, so about 20, yeah. uh, no, just about 28 message per, okay. yeah, 28 messages. Okay. Yeah. Um, over three months though. Oh, 28 o- messages over one that month. was repeated. Over one month. Okay, and then you repeated just over it one month. month. Okay, understood, understood. <laughs> it was over so one month. So, mm-hmm. 28 messages. How, again, if you're going to look at expanding this, how mm-hmm. and who determines what the nature of the content is, both for its um, credi- credibility as, as mm-hmm. um, advice for developing um, yep. young people and also prioritising. How did you go through that uh, moderating process, I guess? Yep, definitely. So in terms of actually the development of the programme, when we first developed the programme, we adapted some of the guidelines from a parenting programme that was developed in Australia. 
we took out some of the key points and we turned it into a text message. And what we did in that formative stage was we took it to parents and did a lot of focus group and interviews with parents and had them read over the text and also adding to anything, whether that makes sense to them, whether you know it actually meant something, whether it was important, and any content that they thought it was important that needs to be in the program. So we did that as sort of the formative stage and hence what we developed into the program. And in terms of going forward, I think um, I think the difficulty is that you know there's no one size fit all program, and we did get um, sort of comments around you know where where they wanted more information or those that you know wanted other information other than this. Um, so again, I, I guess there's no one size fit all, but it's definitely a starting point where we know that there is need for it definitely. It opens a pathway, I suppose, to using those digital devices again to people who may be hard to reach or may be isolated, and goodness knows that can involve many parents. Mm -hmm. And it's possibly a starting point for realising where there might be a room for e-chat sometimes Mm -hmm. if you can get resources for it. Might be able to develop into something like that, because I'm sure there are some people who maybe wanted to text back and ask something. Yeah. Definitely. And clearly in this pilot, that's not feasible. But do mm-hmm. you, as we look at what's going to happen to e-health, both in our physical health lives mm-hmm. and in our emotional and mental health lives, do you see this as being a signal that there's room to muse more and to use this as a communication system? I definitely think so. I think, uh, you know, with mHealth or eHealth, as you say, it really is, I mean, it's not going to replace face-to-face sort of um you know, interventions or therapy or services, but it's definitely a gateway for those that have, you know, never thought about actually going to help. But it's a gateway for them to, you know, first understand that it's not, a st- it shouldn't be a stigma around help seeking. It should be, you know, if you need help, you need to go and seek help. So it's definitely a gateway for that and for them to reach further services when they need to. What did they tell you, those who participated, both those who got the messages and those who didn't? Mm-hmm. Well, those that got the message, I, we had a really sort of positive feedback around it. I think over about 90%, you know, would recommend the program to others and about 98% found them to be useful and thought, you know, using text message was a really good way to deliver that sort of information. Um, what we did find was in terms of, you know, a recruitment is that fathers are really, uh, I mean, mothers are really overrepresented, so we were not able to target sufficient fathers. And that's something that is, I think, different definitely a challenge um, in terms of not only for fathers of adolescent, but fathers in general tend to seek support less or the programs in the sense that is not really quite tailored for them. And so they don't see that sort of um, need to go and engage program. Did you also look much more at the circumstances of those involved, for example, those who had several children or those who were solo parents, for example? Did you see anything interesting in that in terms of their willingness to want the information and get the information? I think in general, just, you know, because it was such a brief program and it didn't require, in the sense that it didn't require any effort on the parents' part to sort of participate apart from just receiving the program and completing the questionnaires, um, you know, we see that across all across all parents, they were really receptive to just getting that mm. sort of extra information. I suppose the slight risk is, and I welcome you saying it's never mm-hmm. going to replace face-to-face. I think one of, the th- one of the challenges we've got, obviously, is that the way people found support and have since cave people times (laughs) is you know it might be a grandmother it might be parents nearby it might be family nearby it might be peers nearby Mm -hmm. but our modern lives are so busy and Mm -hmm. so isolating 
and you wouldn't want someone to end up thinking whatever that whether it was online, um, whether it was text message or online, anything else, um, thinking that this was better than or good enough. Is there a risk of that, or really a people's need? Is people's need for interaction and support and talking things out and their hunger for this kind of information such that it's adding to rather than trying to replace anything? Mm. I think if you sort of, um, I think some of the surveys that we did with parents, um, it's quite clear that the main source of support or where the first sort of support that they would go to is still their friends, I mean, I mean their family members, and then it will be friends and then even with professional help, it c- comes down quite low on the list. But they do tend to go with, you know, um, parent groups or... But it's just the way how it's communicated, you know, even parenting groups, we can be saying, you know, social media sort of parenting groups. Um, but they still, you know, really value that sort of face-to-face interaction. And if they do have the time to commit a parenting program or sort of a face-to-face session, they do benefit a lot more than simply, you know, having a text, you know, I would think, you know, over a text messaging program. But again, as you say, you know, parents are really busy and to really get them engaged into something like that it's it's you know well this could be a pathway to it potentially if you get people engaging as I said you might end up with a program that Mm. involves e-chat where suitably qualified people can um, have conversations for a period of time it might be a way to encouraging people that it is okay in fact it's really normal to Mm. seek out (laughs) expertise and help you with the most important job on the planet yeah what do you hope Mm-hmm. will happen as a result of this pilot. What are your ambitions for what comes next? Well, I definitely you know, want to move this forward in the sense that we want to normalise help-seeking. Again, parenting is challenging. It's rewarding, but it's definitely challenging and difficult at times. And just normalising help-seeking and just being able to ask for help without being seen as you know, failed parenting or failed families, I think that's a really important message to get out there, that it's okay to seek support even if it's on general parenting issues. And we're not talking about people that are already in crisis, but even just really general parenting issues or everyday challenges and we're really hoping that you know to be able to sort of have not only be able to provide services at a at an intervention or targeted level so only for those that are reaching crisis point but we really want to do more preventive work around you know before parents reach that crisis point what can we do can we push this program out further and you know really just you know provide it for all parents who Again, it may be a gateway for them to, you know, see that, oh, actually, I feel like I actually need more support than this. Thank you very much, Joanna. Joanna Chu, Research Fellow from the University of Auckland on this pilot on um, parenting support, parenting program delivered by text message.